0: Welcome back to part two of this episode with Morgan's message. I now sit down with Donna and Aberly Rogers, Morgan's mother and twin sister. Donna and Aberly share their own experience and what they've learned through this tragic loss.
1: Morgan's message was created to get rid of the stigma. And so if you take the shame out of talking about it and it's still hard to talk about, but I'm kind of proud that I can have a, a conversation about it and not fall apart because it's nothing different than a regular
0: illness. In this episode, you will learn how to talk about suicide without triggering others or yourself, the barriers athletes face when it comes to mental health and why mental health is as important as physical health. Be sure to check out the show notes to find out how you can connect with Morgan's message. Morgan's message is doing amazing work on the front ends of breaking the stigma and I'm so honored to have them on the show. Welcome to part two of this week's episode of Well, Not Perfect. I can't thank you guys enough for being here today, and I'd love for you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit more about yourself.
2: All right. Hi, um, I'm Aberly. I'm Morgan's twin sister, and for Morgan's message, I am director of merchandise So I'm actually in the room with all the merchandise right now.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. And Donna, can you introduce yourself to our listeners?
2: Sure. I'm Donna
1: and I am Morgan's mom. Um, I'm one of the co-founders with Aberly and um, a few, uh, a small group of us of teammates and friends. And I do kind of the business side of Morgan's message. I do the legal and business and try to keep the creative part and the fun stuff to the younger people.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you for coming on here. We found you because in season two, we are really trying to find people have voices in mental health and really trying to break stigma and have conversations that may feel difficult. But at the end of the conversation, we feel lighter, we feel more informed, we feel more prepared. And we couldn't think of a better organization to have on for season two, because you guys are doing some extraordinary work. I have really recently experienced friends and family who have lost other people from suicide. And it's been a really challenging conversation to have, but now that I've been having it more and more, I'm more comfortable with it. And I wonder if you can speak to the natural effect that is when you don't know someone who has completed suicide or are uncomfortable talking about it, it's a taboo or something you don't want to go to. And how have you guys kind of transformed yourselves through those two years, from going to potentially uncomfortable or unaware to obviously being leaders in the leaders in that conversation? I can start. Um,
1: first of all, one of the th- one of the first things I learned about when talking about suicide was the terminology that is changing. Um, the word or the phrase "committed suicide" is really no longer um, an option. And it actually strikes me funny when I hear it now, because I've really changed uh, my dialogue and tried to educate people that I'm close with or that I speak to that it's it's died by suicide um, or death by suicide, which is a huge, I believe, change in the conversation about it. The other thing, I was never ashamed to talk about it with Morgan. I was always so proud of Morgan. I still am. So. There's a little bit of a disconnect there, where I think some people, um, if they lose a loved one close to them, the first gut reaction is like shame, embarrassment. That's all due to the stigma of mental health. So um, I think we were all pretty fortunate. I don't think anyone in our family, and I'm not speaking for Aberly or her dad or her or her brothers, but um, her brother. But um, I mean, Morgan's message was created to get rid of the stigma. And so if you take the shame out of talking about it and it's still hard to talk about, but I'm kind of proud that I can have a a conversation about it and not fall apart because it's nothing different than a regular illness.
0: Yeah. And to that point, to add on to that is those who are just learning about this or people who are in the field, but terminology is always changing. It's also, I think, okay to, say the phrases and the terminology that's old and then learn the new ones and then continue to learn them. And when you slip up or you say the wrong thing, then just having some openness to continuing to change your verbiage and continue to change your language. Because I think one of the problems about mental health or about anything that's changing, such as suicide awareness or LGBTQIA, talking about genders and talking about pronouns is that people are just afraid to say the wrong things. They don't say anything at all. And it's avoiding learning. And so I just wanna really open people up to being okay with saying the wrong thing, making a mistake, having the right terminology, and then being open to learning and growing and changing, but not shutting down because they don't feel informed or educated. I think that that's really common. parents typically say, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but then you're not saying anything at all. And so just really, you know, opening up that conversation. I love that. That's how you started the show because that's where we need to really explain to people. Like if you are, if you are with someone and they're going through this or you're going through this, it's okay that you don't have all of the education. It's always a process. Hi everyone, Audrey here with a quick little offer for you. I know that most of you will agree with me when I say Mondays can be tough, tiring, unmotivating, you get the gist. What if I told you you could start your week off feeling motivated and inspired instead? I created a membership program called Mondays with Audrey to do just that. Every Monday you'll see me in your inbox with inspiration on a topic of the month, anything from sticking to your goals to setting healthy boundaries to mastering your morning routine. Each new month kicks off with a new topic and a new video followed by weekly emails to keep you motivated and accountable. This program is the place where I can stretch my wings, be myself and give candid advice from the heart. Sound up your alley. Learn more at www.simplybecounseling.net slash Mondays with Audrey and get access to a free month using the code. WellNotPerfect. Join me on Mondays and make it the best day of the week. And are there more things that you've learned in the last couple of years that you think has been really powerful for you guys in your mission? One of the
2: things that I've really learned is um, like you cannot tell just by looking at someone whether or not it's clear like, okay, like they're actually really struggling with their mental health right now. And because just through this, like I am naturally just more open about like mental health in general, not specifically about me. I'm just like we'll talk about it more. People around me, like the bubbliest people are actually super focused on their mental health internally. And they don't, they don't talk about it, but that's just like a personal preference. But like, once I bring it up, they slowly feel more comfortable. And they mention a couple of things that they're going through, but like, never would have guessed prior to me bringing it up that like, oh, you also are depressed and like you are also like suffering with your mental health. But that's one thing that I really notice is that you can never actually tell just by looking at somebody what's going on.
0: So, and do you, and do you think from your background and your sister's background as being athletes, is that common and seen in the athletic department through the years that you've been through the athletic field and just kind of seen various um, sort of um, you know, putting on that mask or kind of putting up that, um, image that everything's okay in athletes, but really there's something deeper going on.
2: Absolutely. I feel like athletes put on that mask. I don't want to be broad, but I feel just me personally, I feel like athletes do that more just because, you know, they do have to be that strong work through it. Um, and I mean, if their shoulder hurts, they have no choice but to, you know, go and like seek help because like they physically can't play. But I mean, if they're struggling internally, they have that option to hide it and not speak up and literally play through it, which is not healthy. But I mean, they don't, they don't wanna be put on the sideline for their mental health. And I feel like that's so athletes, it just again, just from what I've seen, it feels like that. I mean, they're humans too. Simone Biles said it also. She was like, I mean, at the end of the day, we are people.
0: Right. And not machines and not expected to earn your scholarship or earn your keep or, you know, these expectations that professional athletes have collegiate high school, middle school travel down to 12 and, you know, 12 years, you're going to see all of these athletes feel like their parents spent so much money on that tournament they have to play or their coach picked them for the final scholarship. And then the other three got walk on. So they have to prove their scholarship. There's so many things that are narratives in athletes minds, and they're kind of supported sometimes in the behaviors of coaches or parents or just society or just comparison of other athletes and how their parents act or, you know, it's, it's really not one person's fault, obviously, but I think because we live in a society, we are all micro elements of that society. And, and so it doesn't take a lot of influence for an athlete to figure out, wow, if I don't push through this anxiety or this worry or depression, or if I don't hide myself injury, I'm going to get found out. And then I'm going to get you know, benched or pulled into the trainer's office and a lot of athletes don't want to be pointed out. Do you think that the stigma has changed in your generation? I was a division one volleyball athlete and graduated in oh nine. So in your generation, do you feel like there's been like a shift? Are you able to see that at all?
2: I believe so. Again, I because I'm involved in this and because of our education program, I'm seeing all of these student athletes step up and form these groups at their own colleges. And each group ranges from their number of um, members. So it's not just our 350 plus ambassadors in our education program, it's anywhere from five to 50 members. In their clubs so like the number just blows up and so that's what I'm seeing which I don't think was really there before I mean I just from what those student athletes are saying she's like I've never experienced a place like this before I've never experienced an environment like this before and they're so grateful for our ambassador program and our education program so I personally believe that it's opening up
0: I have relationships with coaches and athletic directors that listen to the podcast on the high school and college level. So walk me through on a high level, how a college or school, it's not just college, I know, would engage you guys and start the process. And then what does that process look like?
1: I can take that. Um, So ironically enough, I think we have 370 something ambassadors right now on over 220 campuses around the country and in Canada. It's very um, remarkable to state that every single one of these ambassadors came to us. We haven't asked one to do this job. We haven't recruited one. Um, We started to raise awareness of the program on social media. That I would say is pretty much the only way. When we meet with these ambassadors, we meet with each one um, on a Zoom call just to kind of introduce them to the program and the specifics we always ask them, how did you hear about Morgan's message and what made you wanna become an ambassador? And I would say 99% of them say they heard about us from social media. Or their mom said, hey, I found out about this, check it out, and then they they reach out to us. So that's really important to us because we feel, um, first of all, this is a peer-to-peer program. They do, some of them do have support systems in place on their campus, we call it, you know, they can have an advisor. Some schools, some high schools, even some colleges, in order to form a program on campus, they need to have a faculty advisor. So if that's a requirement, we're totally fine with that. We ask these advisors to be really just a support system for them. Morgan's message education program um, and our liaisons that work with these individual campuses, as well as our director, Claire Kehoe, um, we provide them with all the tools to run what we call monthly meetings, which are really just monthly discussions. So when someone reaches out to us online, they fill out an application, which is really just a formality. It's really just to find out what's driving them to contact us and give us all their contact information. We in turn set up a Zoom call with them to meet them, go over just what our expectations are, even though that's all online as well. And, but so just to summarize it, we encourage them to meet once a month, um, more if that's great, but we realize that they are all student athletes. They're crazy busy with school at high school or college level. So, um, you know, it's not like it's harder in college than it is in high school, because to some that's not the case. And so they meet once a month, they they get what we call advocates to come and the first meeting might be three people total. The first meeting might be 50 people total. It just depends on your network of athletes and friends. We encourage them to maybe um, ask one of their friends or teammates to be a co-ambassador, just to spread the wealth, kind of spread out the responsibilities. The last thing we wanna do is burden these kids and we make sure that they're well aware that if at any time you need to take a step back or school is overwhelming or the sport is overwhelming or you're in season and you just need a break, that's absolutely fine. The point of this is to get student athletes together to talk about mental health. We provide them with presentations if need be, we provide them with ideas, we provide them with topics of discussion, um, whatever they want and if they have their own ideas but they just need a little bit of help on how to present it. We supply them with that. Um, We try to make it seamless, easy, comfortable, um, emphasizing that anyone that comes to these meetings must feel safe. And adults are welcome, meaning the advisors, but we really don't encourage that. We want this to be peer-to-peer and just reach out when they need support.
0: That's amazing. And do you find the athletic departments are supportive of this and trust the process and let it create itself? or do you find athletic departments feel a sense of anxiety or worry about what's going to be shared there or said there and how that's going to kind of increase their liability? Is there some higher level administrative stuff that you guys have to work through? To be honest, not really.
1: Um, a couple of schools need some more information. And so either we will give it to the ambassador to forward, or we encourage The faculty advisor or the person that is asking the questions to reach out to us directly, whether it's Zoom, email, we will answer anything. We are not therapeutic in nature, we never claim to be. Um, So really all we're doing is trying to get these kids on their free time to get together and have some real conversations. And in turn, these kids are opening up to each other, not necessarily even about their own mental health, but just talking about mental health in general. I mean, it's, it's a topic that every student, every person should be able to have. It's it's like a conversation of cancer. It's not fun. We don't like to talk about it, but you can. It, it doesn't have to be
0: so scary. Absolutely. And I'm reading the line from your vision statement here that says, we aim to expand the dialogue and mental health by normalizing conversations, empowering those who suffer in silence and supporting those who feel alone. That really does sum up, I imagine, what those groups look like and the dialogue that's being had and it doesn't feel like there's an agenda on your end it feels like they create their own and that's grassroots and organic and really really powerful and the outcome of these are you finding that students are more vulnerable asking for more help supporting one another what are the outcomes that you're seeing from them
1: Absolutely. We've heard from several that have said because of these meetings or just because of our organization exists that they have reached out to their coach, they have reached out to their parents, and they have reached out to doctors to find their own help. Um, It's a slow process. We will never hear of all the success stories, but we have heard definitely enough to know that we're making, we're helping, we're just making an impact.
0: Absolutely. And breaking that stigma that the athletes need to be smiling and perfect and have everything under control and look the part and act the part because at the end of the day, athletes are still developing their minds and their brains aren't developed until years and years or decades from where they are a 10 year old, a 12 year old, you know, we're not really developing our brains until mid to late twenties at this point. And we're giving athletes huge responsibility to, be independent and to figure things out. And at times I would, I would say, I mean, everyone at some point is going to go through their mental health process or journey and athletes are for sure going to do it. And it's fortunate that they're at least in a cohort together where they can support one another and give each other a lot of support. I myself went through a mental health um, process where I had a career ending injury like Morgan, and I was told instantly by a physician that they were going to give me um, a medical release and I was no longer going to play. And I had to go to a game at Bradley in Illinois and tell my coach before games that I wasn't suiting up because I just got back from the doctor's appointment and he had said that I was done. And no one could process it, no one could understand it. And then come the next week, I just didn't suit up for practice. And that was really the end of it. It was me not suiting up for practice and then walking the gym and, you know, paying my dues. But there wasn't any support, any questions, even when I was displaying um, stress-related hives or rash, migraines. I mean, I manifested all of my anxiety into physical symptoms and it just got treated with steroids, Advil, ibuprofen, ice it. Um, so I'm so passionate about helping athletes see that there's a different way and people can't dive into your minds. And so we, we have to help people find the verbiage and fight the fear to reach out because athletes are so good at smiling and making things look easy. On my worst day, I have a friend tell me you make it look easy. And I'm like, unconditioned myself. I want to uncondition myself to be that way. But I was trained since I was 11 to have a brave face. And I think even as an adult in my thirties, I still put a brave face on and the vulnerability is not comfortable. I struggle with it all the time and I'm a therapist. And so the vulnerability piece, I think is a, we have a long road ahead of us focus on vulnerability and like, let that be an okay thing.
1: I feel like society rewards the strong face. So you grow up, as you said, from 11 on younger, even um, you're applauded, you're encouraged, you're, um, you're praised for pushing through stuff. I also think it's interesting that Averly had mentioned earlier that um, mental health issues are, how did you phrase it? You said you have a choice to hide. You don't have a choice to hide a um, hurt shoulder or a knee or an ankle. Like you, you can't hide it, right? You have a choice to hide your mental health. And that's a choice that needs to change. Like that's the choice that if runs through your head, you should say, no, I'm not gonna hide this. This hurts just as much as my shoulder hurts. Um, but again, that's a cultural shift. That's gonna have to change on many levels before someone's comfortable enough to have that conversation with themselves.
0: Well, you're getting treatment one to three times a day. So there's always a doctor asking you about your body one to three times a day. There's not a doctor asking about your mind one to three times a day. So you're constantly being evaluated and tested physically to see how bad your shoulder is. And if you wince, you know, when they push at your shoulder, they're going to push at your shoulder harder until you really show, show them. So the trainers and the doctors and the athletic departments, they, even if you try to hide your physical injury, they keep going until they basically truly know how injured you are because they want to push you to the highest pain level to assess, right. To see how far you can practice, or if you need more treatment, things like that. And you know, that, that kind of like forces you to show your pain because the doctors are physically forcing you and if you're an athlete, an athlete, you, you know can. what I mean. Like if like if your ankle hurts, and then they like kind of move it, and you're like, oh, it's not too bad. And then they really move it, and you scream. You know, you know, they know. But mental health, like, no one is literally forcing you to say or feel the things. Um, so it's easy to hide or ignore. I would say, I would say, you know, and to add on to a little bit what, um, Aberly was saying was that. There's a choice to hide it, but sometimes you don't even know. Also, what's going on, and you just think you have a migraine because you have a migraine. You're not sleeping because you're stressed. I see clients all the time who say, "I'm fine. I just can't sleep. I'm fine. I just can't wake up on time for school." Um, so I think there's there's some education, and you guys fill that gap, which I think is just so powerful
2: right now, like the, like the stereotypical, I'm doing air quotes, um, symptoms of mental illness or, you know, the big ones like depression or anxiety, the big ones are known, but there's a lot, like you said, like, I just, I can't sleep through the night or, you know what? I can't, I just like physically feel like just a little bit slower during the day. It's just something like that. Those are signs. Or even like, if you just pick at your finger something like that, Those things, people in the past have not typically associated with anxiety, but when we open up and talk about it, you're like, oh wait, I do that too. And then if you do eventually seek therapy, they will notice that like, those are symptoms.
0: You're sounding like all of the athletes that I talk to one-on-one and talk to in small groups is just using your own experiences to talk about what it looks like, um, you know, we don't need to have fancy degrees behind our names to do this education and awareness because it's a human condition. And we all have the right to speak because we're all human. Like we have that badge of honor just existing. Um, so, you know, however people talk about it, I think it's important just to keep talking about it and also look at people. I think we see people, but we don't look at them. We don't really sit and look at their eyes, look at their posture, look at hear their tone, notice that they're quieter. We don't see people typically because we're so used to them. And so if you're an athlete listening or a coach listening, I'd really encourage you to force yourself to spend 30 seconds, just observing someone with this lens of mental health, you know, 30 seconds on a team of 20. We're talking about 10 minutes in a practice that you've spent just looking at them and seeing anything that seems off, seeing if they are not high-fiving as much, if they're slower in their pace run, if they're not be the leader, quote leader, they're supposed to be. Um, and looking beyond, I think just that surface level, like, you know, oh, there's Aberly. Yeah, like she looks the same, she's acting the same, but did you really take a second and like look deeper into what's going on for 30 seconds? Because I know I'm a trained therapist, but I can sit in the room with someone for 30 seconds and look at them and see and feel a lot of information. And I think that that would be really powerful too, to kind of step back and see the more whole person that's behind the Jersey and behind, you know, the points and the stats and all of that. Is personal growth something that you've always been interested in, but you haven't really known where to start? If your answer is yes, then I wrote an entire planner series with you in mind. This planner series is broken down into five steps that are focused on helping you become more resilient and confident. Each step includes pages of insight and skills from my personal and professional experiences and ends with 30 days of space for you to practice what you've learned. It's as simple as that. Five steps towards growth and resilience. Learn more at www.buplanner.com and be sure to check out the subscription option, which gets you a planner delivered to your door every month for the next five months. Since you're a Well Not Perfect listener, you can get 10% off your order using code WellNotPerfect. Happy growing!
1: That's a great point. That's a great point. There's definitely a... um... A generational gap on some teams with the coaching staff versus the team players. Um, I'm hoping that due to, unfortunately, COVID or just the times that we're in now with the big public athletes that are coming forward, um, I'm hoping that that is starting to change that generation. I know it's kind of my generation or even a little bit younger. Um, it's going to take some time for them to get used to it. I, I don't think they're against change. I just think they only know how to do things one way. It's worked in the past. So to change is really scary as it is for most people. Um, but I, I have found a few coaches have reached out to us saying, I want to be a better coach, which is phenomenal. Unfortunately, there's not as many as we would like, but um, hopefully they're doing it behind the scenes and we just aren't aware of it. But you know, the other thing is at the collegiate level and at any division, whether it's one, two or three, or even club, whatever, we have to remember, to be fair, these coaches have a job to do. They, their livelihood depends on the record. So we can't completely disregard, but if they don't have time or the resources to focus on each athlete, maybe they can find someone that can. You know. And if, they, if the head coach only has to focus on the game plan and the wins and losses and nothing else, maybe someone else on the staff can take that role but it can't be the entire coaching staff taking on the role of, you know, we don't have time for these kind of injuries. Sorry, I'll lose my job in a couple of years if we don't have a winning season. But there are ways around that. And I'm sure athletic directors would applaud them for that. So, you know, that's, that's just another thing to think about and keep in mind with the people that are in charge of these kids.
0: Yeah, I can say that in Chicago, there has been an increase of full-time psychologists for athletic departments popping up every year. In the last three years, I've seen more and more positions popping up for full-time psychologists to not just work on campus and then part-time work with depart- athletic department, but full-time athletic department focus, and then really appreciating mental health and including that in practices and preseason education and things like that. So I can only speak from where I am. And I've been in the Chicago athletic world since I was 18. And it's come a really long way. And I do think it's the generational changes and um, some of the old school mentality of people are retiring and letting, um, you know, Different people with um, newer mindsets to kind of come in and um, do do a better do a better job. I can tell you a few stories, um, just how I wasn't treated fairly or right um, by a couple of athletic department people, and I think it was just out of lack of education and a lack of awareness of what mental health was. And so, if we can prevent anyone from going through that, I think that that would be my mission and my vision on this platform is to expand it to all of the athletes that we know and coaches that we know here. When I started the show, I had asked you guys what you really wanted people to hear. And you had said to eliminate the stigma and to speak up. If you feel like something is not going right inside, if you feel off, if you feel foggy, if you're not sleeping well, those sort of things. And If that's happening to anyone, of course we want them to know that you can reach out for help. You can find your coach, another parent, another athlete. There is a family there for you if you're an athlete and everyone is there to support you. And we just need to keep reminding people that there are positive people to turn to that won't judge.
1: Yeah, we often tell them to find a trusted adult or a friend, a parent, a coach, a teacher, a professor. There there are people out there. You might have to ask. You might have to approach more than one, but they're there.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And I don't know for you guys, but my, my feeling is that it's typically a sports trainer or an assistant coach or a volunteer coach, someone who's a little bit more at your level and maybe not the head coach or even a parent, but, um, there are a lot of options for you. Um, especially cause you're, you have a natural family. And I think that's why athletics is so powerful and why people are so dedicated to their sport is because they want to perform for their teammates. They want to be there on the court for their teammates more than anyone. And so those teammates are also the people who are going to probably get you through those hard times.
2: That's where I was going to lead was, um, if you personally are okay be that outlet be that friend that is always like you truly ask not just like how are you but like no like how are you and just be that friend or that teammate that if someone doesn't feel comfortable going to an adult right away because I mean it is it is hard or it can be hard to make that first step to ask for help but it can be easier if you know that, you know, this teammate, she has reached out to me eight times already, or she forces me out of bed just to get a cup of coffee. If you know that you, you are mentally okay, just be, be that friend to reach out and just let it be known. You
0: can come to me. Yeah. And then when you're not okay, it's okay to set that boundary and not be that person. It's a fluid. It's not like you put a hat on and then That hat's glued to you. You don't have to be the same person all the time. You can wear different hats. And sometimes the hat is a boundary and you can't be that person because you have to take care of yourself. And then other times you're doing well, you put on a different hat and knowing what hat you're wearing, I think is really powerful because then you feel really confident to take care of your friends when you can. But if you can't take care of your friends, people will respect that and also find that to be a role model. They're going to look at you and be like, oh, I can set boundaries too. And just kind of learning from each other. Exactly. That's perfect. Yes. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. And if people want to find you, can you just share a little bit about your socials and where they can reach you?
2: Personally, my Instagram is just Abe Rogers, but Morgan's message is our Instagram is just at Morgan's message, no hyphens, no underscores. And then we're also on Facebook just as Morgan's message. And I mean, we're on Twitter or on LinkedIn. We got lucky that no one else had Morgan's message before. So it's pretty much just straight, no spaces.
1: And of course our website is morgansmessage.org.
0: And if there's an ambassador, future ambassador out there who wants to start this up on campus, what should they do?
1: Run to our website under our education program. So morgansmessage.org, click on education. It tells you all about it. It also has a list of the current campuses. So they could even check. They might even have a chapter on their campus that they're not aware of.
0: That's great. And all of that will be in the show notes too. So plenty of options for people to get in contact with you. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. And this is another episode of, well, not perfect. September is Suicide Prevention Month. This is a month dedicated to remembering and supporting those who have been affected by suicide, raising awareness and breaking the stigma. Morgan's message is one of so many organizations that are doing vital work towards suicide prevention this month and every month. If you or someone, you know, is struggling with suicidal thoughts, please reach out for support. Whether it's a therapist, a friend, a trusted loved one, a crisis line, or a community resource, you are not alone. For additional resources, check out the links in the show notes. Thank you for listening to season two. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting the subscribe button and consider leaving me a review. And for more information on all things podcast, check us out at Instagram. Well, not perfect and DM us any questions you have and content that you'd love to see this season. See you next week.